Let's just unite our heart together and we word of prayer as we come to the preaching of God's word, simply entitled the message tonight, the night, the night. Our gracious heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy presence. We bless the Lord for the congregational singing of these hymns. We thank the Lord for the ministry and song by Stephen and Chloe. And O God, we praise thee we have been brought to the cross. And, O God, the wonder of it all. Lord, we pray that thou might teach us, even as we come to thy word, speak to our hearts, even in the closing minutes of this meeting. And we pray, Lord, that thy spirit would apply the word, as is needed to saint or sinner alike. And, O God, that thy name will be honored and glorified. To that end, fill us with thy spirit and with power. In the words that, must and shall prevail. For we ask these things in our Savior's precious name. Amen. The promise of the Lord God unto Noah when he came out of the ark following the flood was as long as the earth remaineth there will be day and night it shall not cease. Ever since the first day of creation, it has been so. When the Lord divided the light from the darkness, I read in Genesis 1 and verse 5, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. As we stand on the threshold of entering into a new year in the will of God, another year almost gone, the darkness of this night will be dispersed with the light of the new dawn and a new year. But men and women, young people, I wonder does it surprise you to learn that the scriptures have much to say about the darkness. How the Lord, for example, was to teach through that parable concerning the king's son's marriage and how the invitations went out and he warned those that were invited to come and yet they would not. Or what about the man who came and who didn't wear the wedding garment and he was undetected until the king himself came in and he asked him, friend, how camest thou in hither not having on a wedding garment? And the king was to command his servants in the words of Matthew 22 and 13, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then there, of course, is the darkness that veiled the cross when Christ endured the torments of hell and paid the penalty for sin for all who will believe and be saved. Sufferings that were concealed by the darkness. Sufferings that no painter can ever put on a canvas. Sufferings and agonies that no preacher can adequately describe in words. But Christ paid it all. But it may surprise you even more to realize that God often speaks to souls during the darkness. I want to show you, but some of them, as we have read these portions this evening, for it is my prayer 
As the darkness has enveloped the house of God tonight, as the old year peters out and soon the new year approaches, that you will know God speaking to your heart and saying to you, this is the way. Walk ye in it. There's a night of salvation. That's the first one. You see, in Acts chapter 16, it was the approach of the midnight hour that Paul and Silas were thrown into the stocks in that very prison house at Philippi. And yet they were found praying and praising the Lord as it approached the midnight hour. Old General Booth of the Salvation Army, he said, it was God who added his amen to it by sending the earthquake that rocked the jailhouse. But not only did it rock the jailhouse, but it was to shake the foundations of the very prisoner's heart. For here we see a man who came from sleeping to searching. Verse 27, when the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. It informs us he was sleeping. He was slumbering when he should have been minding his work. He was asleep to the world. He was asleep to what was going on. But when God awoke him, he awoke him not only physically, but he awoke his conscience as well. For we soon find out that he realized his guilt and he sprung in before the apostles with the light and he asked the most searching question in verse 30. Sirs, what must I do to be saved in a night when he was almost out into God's eternity? In the providence of God, he was to hear the call of one man. And that call of the apostle was to bring him to consider the things of God and of his eternal well-being. He was nearly in hell. I wonder has this year of sitting under the preaching of God's word yet got you to that place as yet. I wonder will this night find you earnestly seeking, earnestly searching about your soul's well-being before a holy God. You'll see also that this for this jailer it was a night of being brought from carelessness to conversion and cleansing. He was careless as to his responsibility. He was careless as to the destiny of his soul. But bless God in the night hour. It was the word of God that he heard. And it came to his heart whereby we read in verse 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord. And to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And was baptized he and all his straightway. He got an answer to the question. And one may say tonight the answer is still the same in 2023. Sir what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And here was a man who heard the word of God. And the word of God came even to his heart. And he was a man that was transformed by the word of God. He was converted to Christ. He was cleansed from his sin. And as a testimony to what God had done as a believer, he was baptized along with his household. 
But also there were other signs of grace. You'll notice he washed the wounds that he had made in the apostle's body. He welcomed them into his house where he had prepared and provided meat for them. In other words, he showed forth those works that spoke of repentance and that he was a changed man. Dear friend, will this be such a night for you? Not that merely you'll come into the house of God and you'll give a mental assent to what the preacher is saying and you will go out through those doors exactly the same as you come in. But you will hear the word of God to your soul, that effectual call of God in salvation and you'll do something about it. You'll repent of your sin and you'll turn by faith to Christ and you'll accept him as your saviour and as your Lord and you'll be a changed man and a changed woman or a changed young person ere you go into 2024, a night of complete change. We're hearing the voice of God to you You'll come and be saved. You'll respond and know what it is to be washed from your sins in the Savior's precious blood. You see, dear loved one, this can be a night of salvation for you. But then there's another night. And if we make our way back into Daniel, there's a night of revelation. In Daniel chapter 2, it was in the land of Babylon where the king Nebuchadnezzar commanded his magicians and his astrologers to not only tell him the interpretation of this dream, but to tell them what the actual dream was. If they couldn't do it, then they would, there would be the destruction of all the wise men in Babylon, and there would be the destruction of the Jews that were taken also into captivity. And you see, this was a night as well. For Daniel 2 and 1 says, And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams whereby his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. They remonstrated with him by saying, There's not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. How did he expect them to not only tell an interpretation, but to tell him the very dream? Look at the words of verse 11. And it is a rare thing that the king requireth. There's none other that can show it before the king, except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. But there was a man, you see. A man who was in communion with God, the God who can do all things, the God who knows all things. And that man was Daniel. And so Daniel was to be brought before the was to bring the matter before the Lord, and that night became a night of revelation, as in verse 19. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. And Daniel blessed the God of heaven. God is able to reveal the secrets of men. God was to reveal unto Daniel what the vision of the king was. Of how he had dreamed of a great image made up of essentially four different materials. And Daniel was able to go before the king and remind him of the salient truth before he even got to the interpretation of it. That salient truth you'll find in verse 28. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. 
Nebuchadnezzar, there is a king. There's a king greater than you. There's a God in heaven who revealeth the secrets of men. And that dream of Nebuchadnezzar was to do with the future of the different kingdoms that would arise and then would fall, each represented by the different parts of the image and by the different materials that were used to describe it. King Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold. After him would come an inferior kingdom and then another and then another one as strong as iron with power to crush. It was made up of two parts, iron and clay. It was unable to be bonded together and eventually it would be a divided kingdom. And what you have, men and women, on that very image in, in a little summary is the world powers of Babylon, of Persia, of Greece, uh, of Grecian and of the Roman Empire. How could Daniel tell the king of it? Because God is one who is sovereign. He's one who is in control and knows all things that will not only take place tomorrow. He knows your plans in your head today, tonight. He knows what you've planned for the morrow and maybe what you've planned for this year. But he knows every other day of next year and he knows every year after that and every decade as well until Christ shall return. It is God who controls history. Not nature. Not those men running around the world thinking of as their leaders that they control things. They don't. They're only puppets. It is God who exercises his power both in heaven and upon this earth. He is God who knows your very thoughts. He knows your plans for this new year. He is God who holds the future in his hands. I wonder, is that the one whom you're trusting for in this new year? For you'll note also that this night was when God revealed the Savior of men. For Nebuchadnezzar was to see the image that he had dreamed about and suddenly he was to see it destroyed. Verse 34. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver and the gold broken to pieces together and become like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. What is the stone not made with hands? It is Christ. He's not made with hands. He has no beginning. He's no origin. John 1 and verse 15 says, John bear witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. 1 Peter 2, just to give you another text, and the words of verse 6 and 7, it simply says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth in him shall not be confounded unto you. Therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. That stone is Christ. 
It is the Christ of God. It is the one whom John the Baptist could say was before him. For he is the eternal Son of God. And God is building his kingdom. And one day Christ shall return to set up his kingdom on earth. And it shall know no end. It is an everlasting kingdom. Look at verse 44 of that chapter. And in the days of these kings shall a God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. That's not any kingdom of this world, men and women, that's Christ's kingdom. That's the stone made without hands that smashed the image. For every enemy, enemy will be made his footstool. I tell you what a night of revelation that was. And I trust God will reveal himself to each of you this evening that the year ahead might be a year of instruction. It might be a year of growth in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let me ask you tonight, are you part of Christ's kingdom? For I go back to 1 Peter 2 and 5 and it says, Ye also... And we've just read about the stone elect and precious, that stone chosen of God. He says, ye also as lively stones, or living stones if you like, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God by Jesus Christ. Christ is the chief cornerstone. No other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid. But are you that living stone built on him tonight? Are you part of the great edifice? I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the church. Made up of God's people, born again of His Spirit, washed in the Savior's precious blood. Are you a living stone? I would that tonight that you would have a revelation of Christ as never before. That he might reveal himself to you in salvation. And you will see, dear unconverted loved one, that he indeed is altogether lovely. And you'll be able to say, he's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul creature. So we've looked at a night of salvation. And there's a night of revelation. I want to bring you to Genesis and there's a night of confirmation here. Genesis chapter 46. It wasn't the first time that God spake to Jacob during the night hours. How could we forget the vision of the ladder at the place he called Bethel in Genesis 28? The stone that he got was made into his pillow and he dreamed a dream. And there was one ladder with Christ at the very top of it. Reaching to the earth. Is that not a picture of the one way of God's salvation. The sinful lost mankind. There's only one way there. It's through Christ. That was the night in which he fled from the home. He received the very promises of God that he needed. That God would be with him. That God would keep him. Maybe I should just read it. In Genesis 28. In the words of verse 15. 
And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. There's the promise of his presence. There's the promise of his perseverance and preservation. The promise of his power. The promise of his purpose. He would not leave him. He would bring him back into that land again. Jacob received the very word that he needed. Or indeed, how could we forget that night in which he returned from Laban and how God wrestled with him at the place called Peniel. He would not let him go until he blessed him. God met with Jacob through the night seasons. But chapter 46, it was at Bersheba. Bersheba, if you look at the map of the back of your Bible, is right down in the southern part of Israel. It's just before you cross over into Egypt. And he's on his way to meet Joseph, whom he now knew was alive. He was told 17 years beforehand that he he had died. He was taken by a beast, and all that they showed him was the ragged clothes of that colored coat. Led to believe, deceived into thinking that his son was dead, and now he becomes aware that he's alive. And Jacob stopped at Beersheba. And the first thing he did was to offer sacrifices unto God. Because we read that in the words of verse 1. You see, it didn't matter that he was away from home. It didn't matter that he was on a journey. He still worshipped. He still prayed unto the Lord. Maybe you've planned to be on a journey through 2024. Men and women, that doesn't say you set God aside. Make sure, you're, make sure you still worship. Make sure you still pray. And those sacrifices that Jacob was to offer, they were but a foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Christ down through the corridors of time. For Christ was the substance of all the sacrifices of the patriarchs and of the Old Testament times. What was the message that God spake to Joseph that night? It was of assurance that Jacob was doing the right thing. The Jehovah God of his fathers said to him in the words of verse 2, Fear not, verse 3, I am the God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt. It is confirmed to an aged Jacob that he was in the will of God. And he had the assurance of the fear not of the Lord. God spoke to him words of succor, words of comfort. And when he most needed it, it was a timely assurance with some of the most favorite words that the Savior himself was to use during his earthly ministry. How did he appear to his disciples at times? He did so by telling them, fear not. Luke chapter 12 in the words of verse 31. If I can give you one or two examples But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. He says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
Or John chapter 6 and the words of verse 20, you remember the disciples were found in the boat in the midst of the storm. And the Lord comes to where they were. And he said unto them, it is I, be not afraid. For some dear child of God tonight, timid and afraid about thrusting forth to do what God wants you to do. This could be the very night that he confirms it to you. Where he says to you, fear not. And you, like Jacob, will have the assurance of God to rest upon. Upon a verse like Isaiah 41 and 10, and I know this has been a great comfort to some of our people during this past year. I said to you when I first stood in Market Hill, it was a word that God gave me the first night that I came home from the college. Thinking, what am I doing there? And God said, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea. I will help thee, yea. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Look at verse 13. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thy worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Is that a word that you need tonight? word of confirmation for the plans that God has for you. This night Jacob had the promises of God confirmed to him. He was confirmed to him that he was in the will of God. There was an trepidation to go over into Egypt. Egypt is not a good place in the scriptures for the believer. But the child of God and the will of God was to go down. And the Lord confirmed it to him at Beersheba. And he also confirmed the promises to him. Look at the words of verse 3 and 4. God gave him three promises that were literally and faithfully fulfilled. He said, I am the God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. God did increase the people. From 70 souls, verse 27 in that chapter, to a vast multitude that were brought and kept in the land of Goshen. Verse 4, I will go down with thee into Egypt. I will also surely bring thee up again. God did bring the nation up out of Egypt when the iniquity of the Amorites was full. He brought them out. He brought them through that wilderness wanderings and he brought them again into Canaan. By a great and a glorious deliverance. And verse 4. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. God did cause Jacob's course to be run while in Egypt. So that his son Joseph did close his eyes in death. Seventeen years he had missed Joseph. God gave him another seventeen years with Joseph. And he then took him home to glory. You see, men and women, he is a faithful, covenant-keeping God. Has the Lord confirmed promises unto your heart this evening? And dear child of God, bound for glory in that heavenly land, 
Never lose sight of Jesus. They hold upon those promises that God has given. Go forward in the strength and the power of the one who cannot and will not fail you. For he is the God who can speak through the night seasons. May God be pleased to bless his word this night. To each and every heart for his own name's sake. That it might be a night of salvation. That it might be a night of revelation. And for some others it might be a night of confirmation. For his glory's sake. Amen. Let's just sing in closing number 600. Number 600. As the shadows of the night round are falling. I'm thinking of that day by and by. When the trumpet of the Lord shall be calling. As the day breaks. O'er the hills. Number 618 is the page number. Let's stand as we sing it please together. Lord, we thank thee for thy presence. We thank the Lord for the solemnity in our meeting. We praise thee for thy word that has come to us. And, O oh God, we praise thee that 
Even the very angels can be rejoicing tonight over another sinner that hath repented. We pray, Lord, it might be a night of salvation. Now would, Lord, do that work that will mean a man or woman changed as never before. A young person meeting with Christ. Pray, Lord, it might be a night of revelation. I would speak on to our hearts so we might have that desire, that greater desire to know more of our God. And Lord, it might be a night of confirmation, of assurance that we're in thy will. And Lord, thou wilt equip us for what lies before us. I pray, Lord, that thou would bless thy word yet to our souls. Bless each one. And, O oh God, remember our further time of fellowship. We thank thee for the good things provided. Help us eat and drink to thy glory. Bless our time of fellowship. And, Lord, for any that cannot stay, go before them as well. And keep thy hand upon us, each one, until we meet again. For we ask these mercies in our Saviour's precious and all-worthy name. Amen.